Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Court Today replay on C103. I'm sitting looking at the papers today and looking at the photographs of what can only be described as unbridled joy of the Irish women's soccer team with their win over uh, Finland last night. And of course, that win has now secured them a place in the playoffs for the Women's FIFA 2023 World uh, Cup. And the photographs are just wonderful. I got to see the end of the second half of the match yesterday and I have to say I really got caught up in the excitement of it all when I realised they were very very close to qualifying for the World uh, Cup and the the Ireland boss uh, Vera Paul she just comes across as such a gorgeous human being and I imagine if you speak with any of the girls I imagine she's like a mother figure to all of them and you could see the excitement uh, and the joy in her face not just for herself and her own uh, backroom uh, team but for all of the players you could see the way she went around and hugged the players and the excitement when she and what she was saying to the the, the, the different players it really was uh, terrific and while she hailed the performance of her troops last night she did caution and said they must now build on what they have it was the second half goal from the super sub Lily Ag and that was enough to see off the Finns at Tallis Stadium and what was also great about this Tallis Stadium last night the fact this win was at home it was a sellout crowd as well but it does now mean that they go through to the World Cup finals to the playoffs with a game to spare and that game of course is going to be on next uh, Tuesday they have an away match to Slovakia but that even though we know now they've qualified that game still does come with plenty of importance because seeding plays a big part in what has been described as a complex playoff system so it would be great if the girls could get an extra uh, three points to get an, out of a win from Slovakia next uh, week so Vera Paul thrilled with the victory uh, the Ireland manager stressed they need to maintain the momentum now and we let's we really hope that they do main, maintain the momentum but it was just Great to see the ladies doing so well. And as I say, if you pick up any paper today, you can't help but smile when you look at the photographs as that final whistle blew in Tallis Stadium last night. And it certainly also looks like it's a good news day for the Leaving Cert class of 2022 because I take it many of them have already logged on over just over 61,000 
are getting their results as we speak. The results going live at 10 o'clock this, uh, this morning uh, and tens of thousands. The reason why I'm saying it is looking like it's good news for the majority, it's because it's been reported today that tens of thousands of Leaving Cert students' grades have been adjusted upwards by the exam authorities to bring them into line with last year's record high set of results. And of course, that followed a pledge earlier in the year from the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, to ensure that grades are no lower than last year in order to avoid students being disadvantaged when competing with the class of 2021. However, the move to keep grade inflation at last year's high levels has now sparked calls from university leaders for a return to normality as soon as possible in order to protect the integrity of the Leaving Cert. And I know in a lot of the papers today, the president of the University of Galway is saying inflated grades, he felt, was doing an injustice to students because it was harder for colleges then to actually identify the top students for the high points courses. As a result, universities will end up having to use random selection across many courses when the CAO first round offers come out and they, of course, will be coming out on Tuesday of next week. So how are we going to get back to uh, what the the professor of N, the president of NUI is saying? How are we going to get back to the normality of the uh, Leaving Cert and the traditional Leaving Cert and how the traditional Leaving Cert is uh, marked? Because are we not going to have next year's class saying, well, I'm going to be disadvantaged compared to the class of last year because of their higher results. And if you just take a look at the proportion of students today that are getting H1 grades, that's the highest grade that you can get. 14% will be getting H1 grades uh, today and that's up 6%. It, it was only at 6% before the pandemic and now suddenly it's gone to uh, 14%. Uh, so how, you know, how are we going to get it all back uh, to normal? And while there'll be great joy for a lot of the Leaving Cert uh, students uh, today, the dampener will come for some of them next week. If you've got large numbers of students with high or even maximum points, that's where you end up with the lottery system for some of the uh, courses, particularly the more popular courses. And there, there's an, that does seem a little bit unfair, particularly for some people who will fail to get a place on a course. People who've worked really hard to get a course that they uh, deserve. And I saw the education correspondent John Walsh uh, writing in the paper today and he's saying the traditional distribution grade curve has been twisted out of shape over the past three years. And he says trying to unwind it is going to be really, really difficult. But I suppose it does really give the whole opportunity for the education uh, system to take a look at the senior cycle and take a look at leaving cert reform. I know if you speak with many teachers and principals they will say that for many many years they've been calling for reform of the leaving cert. I mean a century on we still have this route learning where students go in and it's as much as they can learn and as much as they can store and remember and they get in then to a three hour exam and they write as much as they can in that three hours that's outdated. We need to look at that and we need to somehow bring our leaving cert into some kind of a 21st century education. We need to be looking at other ways uh, to start grading our students. So maybe out of all of this, 
that's what will come, that there will be some kind of reform. But the best of luck to all of the students and to the parents, because today can be as stressful as that first day and all of the exams uh, during the uh, summer. But, you know, reminders uh, to uh, students that there's always a solution to every, every problem and that there are many different routes uh, to reach your goal. And we'll all remember, I mean, I certainly can remember going in to pick up my Leaving Cert results. I didn't get the best Leaving Cert result. I'll put my hand up and say I did actually better than I expected because I hadn't put the work in. I unfortunately wasn't one of those students that applied myself. It was... I would have been dangerous if I'd applied uh, myself, but I did OK and I got on and there's, you know, there's there's always a way around uh, things. But I think today, Leaving Cert today is just so focused on this day and on the points and then all the focus will go on next week with the first round offers and there will be disappointment for some uh, students. But there are solutions to all problems and there are many, many routes in which they can reach their goals today, I suppose, is a little bit about celebrating as well and just saying well done and just being with your son or your daughter, particularly for the ones who will be a little bit disappointed, but just to know that they're loved and they'll always be loved regardless of what that certificate today uh, states. And if you have any questions or queries, we will be doing a piece later on in this hour with Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance expert, if you have any particular question with regard to today's results. Having just uh, celebrated the great win uh, by the ladies or the Irish ladies soccer team uh, last night, a reminder to you that the Premier League is back on C103.ie with uh, Trevor Welch. It's uh, tomorrow, Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you live coverage of Everton versus Liverpool. That's at 12.30. Spurs v Fulham at 3 and Aston Villa taking on Man City. That's at uh, 5.30. That's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie. We're going to be talking about school uh, buses in uh, just a moment and hearing about the debacle we've mentioned the debacle of the school buses and not everybody having a seat on the bus Joe and Bandon has contacted us he to feel that this is a government cock up this year by giving uh, the the buses free to uh, everyone. He said there are people who used to use the service for free are now losing out. They could easily instead have given a discount or a voucher to families who maybe were struggling and maybe needed a little bit of help with the school in paying the school bus. Joe describes himself as a bus driver. He says he's now been given a list of children who are allowed onto his bus and he said he's now been put in the position that he has to refuse children. A seat on the bus, he says it's scandalous. Some of these students have been on the bus with Joe for the last three years and now suddenly they're not getting a seat this year and he has to tell them no, which is crazy. And actually it's one of the points that a number of parents have made to us, parents who had been paying for the school bus every single year. Of course, families that have a medical card don't pay for the school bus, but other families have been paying for it. And while it was welcomed when the minister announced the free bus, there was many families saying we never looked uh, for it uh, and particularly the families that have missed out that said they said they would willingly have paid the 500 euro or I think 650 if you've more than one child on the bus rather than their son or daughter losing out on the seat which has happened to a lot of pupils on that we're going to take a break and we'll come back with that subject and hearing about some students who were asked to leave the bus in West Cork Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home business Farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Having spoken earlier.
earlier in the week about the problems many families were facing with accessing a seat on the school bus. It seems some pupils were asked to get off the school bus in parts of West Cork this week. Joining me with more on this story is uh, Bandon Kinsale, Fianna Fáil County Councillor and former Mayor uh, Gillian Coughlin. Good morning to you, Gillian. Good morning, Patricia. And Good morning to you. And you're, you're very welcome. Now, students, I'm led to believe, travelled on the school bus in the morning, but problems arose when they tried to get home. What did you hear happened? I've, it has been reported to me, Patricia, that students were asked to leave the bus um, after a morning at school because they didn't have a valid ticket. Um, parents are up in arms right across the constituency due to this problem. And both concessionary and eligible tickets have been have been cancelled and denied and it really is causing distress and anger among parents because parents depend on the school bus in the mornings and in the afternoons to transport their students to school and now that particularly with the surge because tickets have become free um, this has created a huge capacity issue for, for bus airing and one that was not you know obviously adequately planned for and anticipated in advance. But what I can't understand here was there was obviously room on the bus in the morning when the pupils got onto the bus. And then it was in the afternoon when the inspector obviously got on and checked everybody's tickets. He asked people to get off the bus. But if there was a seat available for them. Yes, this is where when, when you begin to unwind this whole knot, this becomes a very complex. So, as you know, there is the system of eligible and concessionary yeah. tickets. And there are students who are eligible. And this year... Again, it seems as though more students who were eligible have now applied, more parents of students who are eligible for the school bus tickets have applied, which has meant that there is a shortage of concession tickets. Students who previously had depended on concession tickets and have had them are now um, left without that ticket. And even if the student who who is eligible and has received their ticket, they may not always use the bus. And of course, also, the case may be may arise in primary school in particular, whereby a child might take the bus in the morning and maybe in the junior classes and not then use the bus um, going home in the in the evening. So what is happening? I'm finding Patricia is that this is the, this is what is beginning to happen. That parents are beginning to watch the, the movement of of children's and I'm very distressed when I hear that. You know that people are saying, well, why did they apply for the ticket if they weren't going to use it? It is their absolute right and entitlement is parents' right and entitlement to apply for a bus ticket if they're eligible and to do so and if they have been granted the ticket. The fault lies here with the authorities, the bus, with bus airing and the government who really should have anticipated the surge in demand when they announced that the tickets would be um, free of charge and extra people who are eligible who may not have applied in the past now have applied as is their right um, and it has created distress among the uh, concessionary holders and that is creating a lot of anger um, and I'm really hearing it I think it's probably the, the most distressed I've heard people on the phone to me of, of any issue ever I must I must say um, people who are normally very calm and collected are really at the end of their tether because it is they, these people are working in medical field you know in, in hospitals they leave home at, at um, half six in the morning their children are going to secondary school, they get the bus at 8 o'clock. That's their routine. There is no other option. They have people working shift. And again, this routine has been ongoing for four or five years. And now suddenly, the, the routine has been broken. And as you have just said, there is an added frustration in the fact that they are maybe watching the bus go by with 
NCC, but they have been allocated to other eligible students who may decide not to take them. Yeah, so I mean, I'm we, yeah, because, and we are even, you can see where there's going to be d- divisions in communities and amongst yeah. neighbours. I mean, we had uh, one listener who contacted us, and I'm not even going to say the area that was from, but she said her neighbour never, the child never goes on the school bus, but because it was free this year, the neighbour has applied, is, is entitled to it, and the neighbour has admitted that her daughter will probably only use the bus uh, once a week, and that really infuriated the woman who contacted us because she knows the people that are missing out uh, on the bus. So you can see that people are watching. Why is why is you know Mary and Johnny not on the bus every day? And that that's the last thing you need is divisions within communities. Absolutely, Patricia. I, I really am worried when I hear people starting to report back on other people's yeah. movements. You know, and yeah. that's not that form normally. You know, and that's I want to say that that these are very cool, collected people, but it has really made them, as you say, infuriated them. Um, and it's, they take it out on the, on, on their, on not, not yet, but the people who have applied for the ticket are eligible to do so. So, And they know that, but it is the authorities that need to really stand back here and say that, you know, they need to increase capacity, larger buses need to be put on route so that all children can be accommodated. Um, you know, this is a, a problem that has been made by the authorities here. I feel they should not have reopened the portal. The deadline for the application of tickets had passed by the time that the minister made the announcement. They should just have processed the tickets that were in at that time. That's true. Yeah, because I think it was 44,000 extra people applied when they reopened. And what what did they expect? They were going to split that 44,000 people onto the existing bus route? You know, beggar's belief. And anybody who has any experience of the transport sector or logistics or haulage, there is a huge shortage of of drivers, of qualified drivers. So we need to, you know, the government needs to get to grips with this, with this problem, needs to grasp this nettle. It is causing huge, huge distress. And I am calling and on the Minister and on Bus Aaron to tackle it, increase capacity on the routes and, um, and, and just sort it out. And Im- immediately. And I also, I have to say, have huge sympathies for the bus drivers. One of them from your own neck of the woods, a gentleman by the name of Joe, contacted us this morning, driving the school bus for years. So he'd know many of the, the pupils who are, are getting on and off the bus. He's now been given a list and he's been told that he has to refuse the children whose name is not on the list. And he said some of these pupils have been travelling on his bus for the last three years. And he has to suddenly say to them, no, there's no seat for you on the bus. That's really difficult on the bus drivers. It's putting them in an untenable position, yeah. and it will drive it will drive drivers away from the from the public transport sector. They may they, they could drive a lorry or they could drive something else, much less less stressful. Um, why you know they would say why should they have to be put in this position? And they shouldn't be put in this position, uh, Patricia. Nor should the inspectors be put in this position either. You know because this has this is a problem of the department's making, and it should have been anticipated. Extra capacity should have been put in place. I, I'm really disappointed with the, with the whole setup. On okay. And listen, just by the way, before I let you go, the, the pupils who went to school on the bus, did their day in school, got on the bus and were then asked to get off the bus, how did they get home? So the parent who, who rang me said that the, they collected them. It was two hours later because they were at work and they had to organise themselves to get out of work. Now, it was a half day, so it would have been the middle of the day. It was one of the first days of school, secondary school. But the comment that really struck a chord with me, Patricia, particularly I suppose as a history teacher, and I'm just teaching this year uh, at the moment, the, the child said, now I know how the black people in America felt in the 1940s and 50s. Before oh. the they were 
put off of their school bus after being on it for a couple of years. So, you know, you can imagine how how angry and cross that parent was down the phone to me that, that evening. Um, and, and, you know, they, they're trying to find a solution and they're trying to be, you know, reasonable, but um, that really was, was uncalled for, I think. And it, it should have been anticipated. This, yeah. this, you know, this was a situation that has been created and it should be now solved by the department, increase the capacity, increase the number of buses if they can, um, and do it quickly and inform the people that there will be a solution to this problem. OK, listen, we leave it there, Gillian. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Councillor Gillian uh, Coughlin. 0818 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Broaching Kelleher, our career guidance expert, is joining us with words of advice to the Leaving Cert class of 2022, whose uh, results started to arrive at 10 o'clock this morning. Good morning to you, Roisin. Good morning. And, and I suppose, firstly, just congratulations to all of them. Very much so. So congratulate the students and the teachers and the parents, everybody that supported the young people in uh, achieving what they have. It was a great thing to do the exam and to have the results that they have now that they are still obtaining this morning. So it is a wonderful day and one should never take away from that. Okay, um, now just to go through what happens uh, from here and choices that need to be made, I suppose, after the Leaving Cert results. Yes, well, the first thing is that the timelines this year are quite short. So they will have to pay attention fairly quickly to uh, whatever procedures that they have in mind. I mean, now this morning they will be getting their results. Of course, the whole situation, if it is with college, as in third-level college, the CAO, uh, type courses, then they won't have that information until next Thursday. But meantime, if they need to check about uh, appeals and review the scripts and all of that, they will have all that information on the portal. I understand the portal where they'll get the results today. All of that will be set out on that and the dates and the times, which is very, very important for them to follow that. And if there is any problem, will they please avail of the help that's available? either from the guidance counsellors in schools. I know they're busy, I know they're back at school, but some of the schools, many of the schools, have set aside time that the students will be able to make contact with their guidance counsellors in schools. And, of course, the helpline staffed by the national uh, parents at 1-800-265-165. I'll be working on that myself, actually. As oh, will you? That's uh, two, 2 o'clock today, that opens, isn't it? So, please... Seek help. Reach out. I yeah. don't feel that they're isolated and there's nobody cares or they can't get the information. Get the help and be reassured with regard to that. So the applications to review the scripts will open on next Tuesday. Then to re- review it again will close very quickly on the seventh. And then we have. Now, to who, do, who, who do you suggest should review scripts? Who would you who do you say you should review? Well, the students will see today what the results they have got on their papers. And uh, if they feel they want to review whatever it is on the... So the if, they're not, if they're not happy with the result and felt, I did a much better paper, you would yeah. say, well, take a look at the yeah. paper. Well, at least take a look at the paper. Okay. And then they can decide whether they want to have it remarked. And it's very important also for the students who may have not obtained the particular grade in the mathematics 
that there would be special mathematics exams put on by many of the colleges here at local level. We can say MTU, formerly CIT. They always put on a special maths exam for the students if they were unfortunate enough not to get the grades that they wished in the, or that they'd hoped to have got in the mathematics. So that's very important that they would see about that as well. So they can take those various steps. Of course, naturally, uh, the, the other option with regard to the post leaving cert courses, there isn't any doubt about how important making an application for that would have been very important. They can still do so if they wish. And the apprenticeships, other training and so on. So they, in, in one sense, they can do all that. That's got nothing to do with waiting for the points for next week on Thursday with the CAO. That's a different issue. And I was just only briefly saying there to John Paul before we came on air that the level sixes and sevens, when they'll get these offers next week, along with the level eights, I think far more attention should be given to the level six, the certificate courses, or the level seven, the ordinary degree programs, because they will allow the students to work through the system gradually to the level eight. I certainly do have concerns about the inflated grades. Yeah, I was. I mentioned it at the start of the programme today because I can see yes, some of the yes. universities themselves are not that happy about the inflated no. uh, grades no. and there, we'll end up with, the, there'll be a random selection for, for courses. Yeah, very likely. So, so you, so you so are likely. going to have people, even though they've got a fantastic result today, they yes. may not get their first choice. Oh, that's exactly it, Patricia. What, what, the, what is the reality? What is it going to mean for the students? How will they able? How will they be able to work those getting these wonderful grades, which is wonderful? But what could be the opportunity that they can work with these grades? So if they're into a random selection, well, that's very unfortunate because it means that students will lose out. Somebody's going to lose out because there aren't sufficient places. So therefore, the other choices that they would have put down are critical. So they can do nothing about those choices at this time because they have made those choices before the 1st of July. The only thing is, of course, they will also be published next week what they would call available or vacant places. Okay. So students can apply for those. But I would say, particularly with students, if they really feel that they have got an inflated result, not taking from what they have achieved, but at the same time, if they feel it is inflated, I would be very cautious about taking a programme that they may be obviously offered but if they feel they're not able for it, then they may consider deferring. They may certainly consider going on to a post-leaving cert course and they're learning those critical skills so that they will achieve the following year. Because you take into account the cost of going to college. Mm. You take into account and you've interviewed a young student there during the week where she couldn't even get the accommodation. She's only one of, she's one of thousands. And the travelling and all these extra really major issues that students have to concern themselves with. And here then, you have these students who have got these wonderful points and there's an expectation, well, you've got these points, so what's the problem? Why can't you manage on the course? And then and not all of them can. Not all. And God knows we see enough of them. Uh, yeah, have to, rep- have to, at the end of the first year, realise that wasn't for me. I wasn't able for it. I didn't realise what the course in, entailed. And that's a, a, a waste. Wa- well, it is a wasted year, but the cost that's involved in that. Well, the cost is yeah. involved. So yeah. But, the, but the, 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 and the other, you know, and, and I know when you're talking about like apprenticeships and when you're talking about the post leaving cert courses, there are so many different routes to reach your goal. There. 
even with the apprenticeships, there are two outstanding programs among, among very many, over 60 apprenticeships uh, courses that are available. There are two there that offer a level eight honours degree, the one with insurance and the one in recruitment. And I've met so many students who seem to be unaware of these opportunities. Mm. Now, that's not to take from all the traditional courses that are still available in apprenticeships. So I would ask students to look at all the w's.apprenticeship.ie. I would ask them to look at, again, all the w's and etb.ie, the education and training boards. I mean, they offer such wonderful programs as well. And then they can see, and, and the other thing is, that it's not for a student to feel, oh, well, I only got something else, as if it was something inferior. It's not inferior. It's a wonderful program that can allow a student to progress at the level at which, whatever they want, and there is no limit. There is no limit to where they can progress to. Mm. Now, the, the concerns I would have would be going on to a course with points that are, well, I don't like saying it, but this is what is said, artificially boosted those points, and going on to such a program and then finding that course too demanding for them. So that is certainly a major concern. After okay. putting uh, so much expense into it, uh, putting in an expectation and putting extra pressure on students. I call that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For those who are planning on studying in the UK, because we know the A-level results came out about uh, two weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. we are delayed. Do they need to get moving fast? They do. They yeah. certainly do. And, they, and, and to accept their places and to also to be completely familiar with that situation. Or indeed, if the students want to travel a little bit further into mainland Europe, then, of course, the website there and the person that would help there would be there associated with UNICAS, E-U-N-I-C-A-S, unicas.ie. They can also, of course, check to make sure about their funding and see have they got everything in place there with the SUSE grants. You know, they have to look out for themselves. The reality of the situation of where are they going to study? What are they going to do? What's going to be involved in getting the accommodation if it's available and the cost of it? Or else the travelling to these particular colleges and places. Yeah, is commuting an option? Yes. Yes, and, and sometimes, I mean, that young student during the week, uh, even though we have, we're, we're trying to hopefully get her sorted out, but uh, it will be six hours, over six hours each day to commute. That's, that will really... And, and can you imagine being on a high-pressurised course yeah, with high yeah. points on top of it? And having to do six hours on trains and buses. That's the time for the study. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you must take all these uh, factors into account. So that's why I'm, I'm saying it is so important that let's hope they have filled out, if it is going to third-level college, that they have filled out as many options as possible on the level six and seven. So only yesterday I was dealing with a student uh, for next year who was hoping to achieve, yes, over 500 points. And I said, and I believe you still put down something on level six and seven. Mm. You might think it's not necessary, but with inflated points, I'm not letting you go without putting down the level six and seven so that you have that option in a situation where there may be a difficult or a demanding situation even next year, because we don't know what's going to happen next year. So amongst some students, of course, might decide to defer, and that would be another issue for them. If you do, I mean, that decision won't be made, obviously, until next week, until the offers are out. But if somebody does decide to defer, it's to the college they go, is it? Yeah, yes, directly to the college. So they, they would they would deal with that type of situation and see how that will go for them. But then they would decide, well, what would they do in the meantime? They may try to seek 
employment to try and seek work, or I, I really strongly believe so much in the post leavenster courses because they give them such a wonderful introduction to if the science or business or any different areas. And particularly we take into account, even though these points and these results are very high this year, but when you think about it, but these are the very students who've lost out in education. Mm. So how does that make sense? They are the ones that have had to have had very many Zoom classes. They've had teachers who were not able to be in school. They've had quite an I have worked with so many students who didn't have teachers all the time for their subjects. Yeah. And yet they end up with these wonderful grades with an expectation that they should be able to get on with it in third level. I have to say, Patricia, I'm very concerned. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. I really, really do have to um, Last evening, agree with you. remarked on the, some of the students dropping out or, unfortunately, not succeeding in university. And there was reference to the fact that they didn't even know the full results on the repeats of the leaving So we haven't got a lot of information. Uh, but the other concern I have is the students who are going into third level this year and good luck to each one of them. However... They haven't even had the opportunity of going to the open days because the open days didn't exist for very Because of COVID, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay, they would have been virtual. But, but that's not the same. the same as actually yeah. going on location into the colleges and finding out directly from the uh, persons in the college with regard to the details of the course. Please ask the students to check the modules, the details of the course, and satisfy themselves that they are able to enjoy those particular programmes. What, what what's your view on somebody repeating a Leaving Cert Roisin? Good or bad idea? It, 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 I suppose it, it all depends for what purpose and it all depends on why it would be necessary in the first place. There could be very serious issues that persons would have had very serious health issues. Um, there could be any numbers of disruptions that could have affected a person. But if they believe that this even sort that they would be repeating would be coming from a different perspective. I mean, sometimes there will be students who would just be a little bit immature, shall we say, and will not have put in the study. Now, how can they achieve to have these big results if they haven't put in the study? So if they want to approach it with the view that they would put in the study, if they want to approach it with the view that they would aim to get particular grades of, we'd say, H4, the 60 69%, the H3, the 70%, and make a realistic expectation on the grades that they hope to achieve with the view that this will open up the opportunity to whatever it is that they're looking for. That, that's 100% grand. But, of course, it's also important to say that if a student has not been successful with a particular subject this year and they needed the entry requirement for a particular course, they can repeat that one subject to make um, an entry requirement. Okay. All right. So okay. The, yeah. yeah, and and once again, we emphasise: don't forget the post uh, leaving cert courses. Okay. So the next big date now is next Thursday, the eighth of September. CAO first round offers, and they will be available at two o'clock. And the helplines. So and the helplines. Uh, yeah, one eight hundred two six five one six five, and they are available from today, uh, two to right. eight. Until the 14th. We'll talk to you next week when the first round offers are out, uh, Roshan. In the meantime, thank you for that. And the best of luck to everybody. Okay. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is uh, Roshan Kelleher, our career guidance expert. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
some of your calls and comments uh, coming into the programme uh, this morning. When I mentioned the Leaving Cert and is, there, is it now time to look at the Leaving Cert and to look at reform as we're, we're doing the same exam uh, almost since the Leaving Cert started and do we need to, do we absolutely need to reform it. There's been calls for reform of the Leaving Cert for many, many years. Uh, Gillian, one of our listeners, says absolutely the Leaving Cert needs to be reformed. Gillian says she describes herself when she was in school as a good student. She said, I liked study and I always got good grades throughout my school years, all A's and B's. But I remember from my junior cert, I blanked on the day of my history exam. I was devastated, says Gillian. I got an OK result, but it really didn't reflect all the work that I had put in. Even my history teacher said, what happened? My leaving cert didn't go much better. It's just the volume of stuff to learn on the day and anyone can go blank. It is so hard. Uh, thanking you, says Gillian. Yeah, it's that what they call rote learning, isn't it? And some people are better at it than others and others can exactly, as you've described, Gillian can just for whatever reason get a blank on the day and it's so unfair on people who have put so much time and effort and their teachers would have known how good they were. I mean, that's why it got a lot to do with assessment over the years. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that and I know people argue against that because you've got teachers who've got favourites etc but there's got to be something better than expected to get in as much information as you can into your mind in a two year period and then your brain has to activate on a three hour exam and you have to pour it all out onto a piece of paper there's got to be another way of doing it hopefully Gillian everything worked out for you uh, after your leaving cert but yeah it's devastating if you've put the work in and then you just blank on the day. On the school buses and the what's going on with the school buses and we still, as the schools are underway for the new academic year, we have pupils who are entitled to a seat on the bus, still not on the bus because they're still waiting to be processed and then God help the poor students who are waiting to see will there be any concessionary seats left students who would have got concessionary seats for the last number of years and suddenly they're in a situation that they can't get onto the school bus Councillor Declan Hurley by WhatsApp says Patricia what an utter shambles and an example of incompetency from the Department of Education when it comes to the school transport scheme this year public reps are now inundated with phone calls from parents looking for assistance with school transport and there's nowhere to turn to as the number of bus seats required are simply not there. It's an utter joke and the best example of putting the cart before the horse. Common sense would tell you that you put the correct number of buses, you make them available first before deciding that it's going to be free for all. Yours in despair says Councillor Declan Hurley and obviously backing up what Councillor Gillian Coughlin had said because she's getting a number of calls so I'm assuming all of our local councillors and I'm assuming all of our TDs as well, all of our politicians are getting calls in from constituents saying is there anything that can be done there's just not enough seats, we're going to, we need more buses and and as we spoke about earlier in the week, besides needing more buses we need more bus drivers and there are a cohort of bus drivers over the age of 70 who would willingly drive the buses but at the moment with the rules, thems are the rules, they're not allowed to drive a school bus they can drive a private bus but they can't drive a school bus all of that is going to have to be looked at. It's got to be done quickly because we're into the school year. It's not that we're even saying, oh, well, it's next month. We need to get working on it now. It's today. The, those buses need to be available today uh, and something needs to be done. And hopefully, hopefully, what with the we don't know what's going on in the background hopefully they are working on a solution and Ross says is there anything that this government can get right it's an absolute uh, it's an absolute scandal and I suppose at the start of all of this when the minister came out 
Norma Foley and I remember her coming out at the beginning of the summer and saying and it was to help with the rising cost of living and she came out and said look school bus just for this one year it's going to be free and I remember initially saying no that's that's you know that's good that will help families who are struggling because it was at a time when we were talking about parents already worrying about back to school costs when the students were barely out of summer holidays were barely underway but there was families already struggling and trying to get all the money together so when I heard about that I said well that's going to be it's something for families in rural areas as children go on the uh, school bus but I didn't stop and think at the time that there was going to be this huge influx of people applying for the bus who've never applied for the bus before or that there wouldn't be enough seats on the bus. And as so many parents whose children are not on the bus have pointed out to us, they never looked for the free bus while they're glad not to have to pay it. But now they're in the dilemma that it's probably costing them more because we know of some families living in an area together are getting together and they're employing a private bus but it's costing them way more than the 500 euro they would have paid to bus Aaron or the 650 if you've got more than one child on the bus so what turned out to be a cost saving measure for some families has certainly backfired 0818103103 and talking of cost of living you can't get very far away from the price of electricity and how the, that is now causing huge headache for so many for so many Many families, and of course, the news now that has come out that householders could face annual gas and electricity bills of six thousand euro by early next year. That's if the prices keep increasing at the current rate, and there's nothing at the moment to indicate that they're not going to continue rising at the same uh, rate. If they do go to six thousand, it'll be treble what people have been paying at the start of last year. And of course, this warning has come following yesterday's announcement from Electric Ireland of electricity going up by 26.7% and gas from Electric Ireland by 37.5%. Just that price rise alone means householders will pay an extra €446 a year if your electricity is with Electric Ireland and €516 extra a year if you have uh, your gas with Electric Ireland. And I was really taken aback uh, when I heard the news from Electric Ireland uh, yesterday because, and remember Electric Ireland is a semi-state power provider, it's their third hike in five months. Um, the Electric Ireland had, had made an announcement that their gas was going up by 30% and electricity more by, thir- by more than 10% in August. Um, and I remember, because I'm a customer of Electric Ireland, so when that co- came through in August, I said, all right, well, that's hopefully going to be it for this year because there had been a 25% rise in May and there had been two increases last year. So I certainly, when I knew that electricity was going up in August, wasn't expecting them to announce there was going to be another increase at the start of October. But many people had been predicting it yesterday because there had been another a number of utility firms earlier on in the week who would announce price rises and once one starts to announce a price rise you just notice everybody else follows suit SSE Electricity I think they were the first thing they were Friday of last week I think they had an astronomical increase that kind of floored most people that was followed by community power and then prepay power they all put up their prices this week now Derek Cassidy of the price comparison website bonkers.ie he's quoted in so many papers today and actually saw him on primetime last night and John Paul tells me that he's going to be joining us on the programme 
programme on Monday if anybody has a question for Dara because yeah, he really is um, really good on particularly on switching and how you can save some money by uh, switching. He says that when all of these increases are taken into account, householders now are looking at paying over a thousand euro extra extra for your electricity each year and over €1,100 more for your gas than what we had been paying in January of 2021. He says, and I quote, to say these are unprecedented times, he says that is an understatement. Now, the last energy crisis he points out that we had was back in the 70s. And some people listening may remember those energy, uh, the energy crisis in the 70s. And at that time, the price of oil increased by about 400%. That was on the wholesale markets and that led to the energy crisis in the 70s. But if we look now at gas, gas has gone up by over a 1,000%. So that'll show you the sta- scale of the crisis that we're looking at now. And of course, as we pointed out, because people keep saying, oh, I'm OK, I don't have gas. You have to worry about the price of gas because most of our electricity in this country is generated by uh, gas. Uh, Dara Cassidy of Bonkers says we're heading into a winter with gas and electricity prices at absolutely astronomical levels and he's fearful that it could get worse. Now, let's try and look at some of the positives. The European Commission yesterday said it is looking into options to cap energy prices and also to try to reduce demand for electricity. That's part of their upcoming proposals to tackle soaring energy costs. And of course, the European Commission President Ursula van der Leyen, she will outline the Commission's ideas on capping energy prices and that's expected in a speech on the 14th of September. But even capping them, they're going to be capped at very, very high amounts. And our own Taoiseach Michal Martin said Ursula van der Leyen has confirmed to him that the EU will be making moves to stem the massive price rises. From our own government perspective, Michal Martin says that they will use the budget at the end of this month and in tandem with the budget and the cost of living package to alleviate pressure on households. He said we also have to look at the impact on businesses in terms of jobs and retention of jobs. And we know that one of the things they've been talking about in the budget is to give every household another €200, remember, like they did earlier on in the year. But looking at the way the prices are going at the moment, I don't think that that's enough. They're going to have to do more than just give householders €200 because that's going to go nowhere near the additional costs that all of these increases that are being announced this uh, week. So, uh, and we'll have to wait until the end of the month. In the meantime, people's bills are starting to arrive, arrive, and I think people are starting to get a bit of a shock. I did see on Twitter last night, Neil Grant was tweeting from the Celtic Ross Hotel in uh, Ross Carberry. He was tweeting about the electricity bill for his hotel for the month of July and he put up the example of in July of 2019 the electricity bill for the Celtic Ross was €7,700. The electricity bill in so that would have been pre the pandemic then go to July of 2021 his electricity bill was 8324 This week he's received his electricity bill for just for the month of July and the electricity bill wait for this 18,000 
262 and that is for one month and in the tweet I saw from Neil he said this is unsustainable and it's all due to uh, rate increases in the price that he's paying for his unit so it has gone from take us back to just before the pandemic it's gone from 7,700 to 18,262 and obviously he was monitoring the way electricity was going up he was expecting to get a shock at 16,000 but he said when he opened the bill and saw it at 18,262 I mean he's right that is just not sustainable and that's going to be reflected across all businesses so you can understand when people complain and give out and I know a lot of people have been giving out about hospitality and to say are they price gouging and why are they putting up the cost of everything but if their electricity bills are gone at that a level about two and a half times what it was back in a couple of years ago there's no other choice but if they want to keep their front doors open they have to put up the price of everything and of course they'll have to put up prices to customers coming in who are already struggling with their own bills at home knock on effect is going to be less uh, footfall the government really need to move and they need to move fast 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs a plant mechanic is wanted. This is for Charleville Plant Hire. You need to email info at cphlimited.ie. Dukong Concrete, they are offering a number of apprenticeships. They're recruiting for apprenticeships for construction plant fitter, HGV mechanic and a welder slash fabricator. Please apply with your CV to hr at dukongconcrete.com. The Alzheimer Society, they're looking for a home care worker for the North Cork area. Please fill out your CV and a cover letter to recruit at alzheimer.ie. And a teleporter is wanted for immediate start on a construction site at Bridge Street in Cork City. Call 087-165-0527. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie. Minister for Older People Mary Burke said this week that she fears a rising amount of nursing home providers may leave the sector to provide what she described as more lucrative accommodation for Ukrainian refugees. The CEO of Nursing Home Ireland's Tyg Daly disputes this suggestion and he joins me. Good morning to you Tyg. Good morning Patricia. Tyg firstly have you heard of any nursing home closing and instead becoming a centre for refugees? I think what, what, what the minister is doing is conflated two issues here. I mean, clearly the nursing homes have been closing for a number of years. I mean, Hickway just reported recently 29 homes closed between 2018 and 2021. Uh, but yeah, there has been one recently that closed and subsequently became uh, a centre to house refugees in the Ukrainian crisis. But they're, they're, they're not linked. And I think it was disingenuous to the minister. And it was a deflectionary tactic uh, because of the failings of successive governments to address the underfunding. Okay, explain to us why you're hearing of nursing homes closing down. Well, I'm not alone hearing about it. I'm seeing it and we're all seeing it. Uh, As I said, HICWA two weeks ago highlighted in their newsletter. So you have the regulator saying that they were concerned about this development. But ultimately, you know, nursing homes are closing because they're no longer viable. 
because they cannot continue to provide the high standard of care that they're committed to under the, fund, under the current funding regime. I mean, to suggest that someone would close uh, a viable, sustainable, profitable business uh, you know, on the basis of some sh- potential short-term income you know, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, because quite, that, that was the one thing that struck me was, I mean, the Ukrainian refugees are not going to be here forever. Why would somebody, even if it was lucrative, why would somebody opt to close one business if it was to, to open another? Well, and I suppose it also raises the point of the minister. I mean, I, I saw the minister, of course, and I was, you know, disappointed with those because, to be fair, we've had very good engagement. Uh, but, but, you know, her, her statement that it was more lucrative what that says to me is that there is a complete underfunding of care of the older person because care of the older person is much more complex mm. uh, than, uh, you know, a, a refugee or indeed uh, accommodation. It's accommodation, absolutely. That's the small part of what nursing homes provide. What nursing homes provide is care, uh, activities, and a whole wide range of, of services for people who can no longer live in their own homes. So we're, as I say, very disappointed with our comments very surprised with her comments but you know hopefully she did later on in that particular piece outline that she was working closely with us in in terms of putting measures in place so that's the positive but okay. also All right, can an, you, acceptance, can, I, an acceptance by government that something needs to be done Okay explain to us the difference in the funding between a private nursing home and those within the public sector because this is where the problem lies that's exactly it. And what we're, I suppose, looking for and have been saying for a long number of years, when you look at the, the, the nursing home sector across the country, it's regulated by HICWA, as it should be. So there's the same standards. Uh, fair deal is the one system of funding. But then it breaks off into two separate funding streams where public nursing homes receive, on average, €1,600 per resident per week. Uh, whereas in the private sector, the average is of the order of about €1,000 per week. So there's a 62% differential. And this was highlighted by government themselves in the Value for Money review that published last December. And look, that's clearly unsustainable because two things, we need to obviously stabilise the sector and ensure that we have nursing homes right across the country to care for all the population. We need to have high standards of care. And we also need to ensure that the staff who work in those nursing homes are rewarded and remunerated appropriately. Um, because under the current funding stream, that is not achievable. Um, and, and that's what needs to be addressed. So there's an immediate piece here, which, to be fair, I think the Minister is committed to. But there's also a longer term piece, given that we have an ageing population and the fact that we should be celebrating that, that ageing population, but funding it appropriately. And when you're looking at immediate help, if nothing else, Tyg, do nursing homes need help with the rising cost of energy? I was just talking Absolutely. a couple of minutes ago about one local hotel and their exorbitant electricity bill that, that arrived. And then I was thinking, God, I'm going to be talking to Tyg in a minute. A nursing right. home bill must be huge because of the nature of the of the, looking after older people. The heating is probably even on in the summer in some of those nursing homes. Well, it's absolutely on all of the summer, and you've touched on a very, very sore point with the sector. Because, and that's not to you know to suggest that other businesses aren't suffering, but they clearly are. But the other businesses have the ability to increase their increase their fees, or, in, or increase their charges rather, or indeed. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They might decide to close on a Monday, for example. Yeah, and nursing home can't do that, yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. a 24-7 business. And as you say, the energy bills are eye-watering at the moment. I spoke with one provider today. Uh, his monthly bill has gone from 5000 to twelve and a half thousand per month, so that will and that's historical. You know that's in, in the last two months. I suppose our concerns and ministers have said that it's going to get worse in the winter. So if it gets higher again, it is going to put more and more nursing homes under under significant pressure. So that's the immediate piece that needs to be dealt with. And I think you know government have accepted uh, that something needs to be done, but unfortunately they haven't put it into play as of yet but we'd be confident that something would happen in that space. But okay. that in itself is, is a short-term measure, welcome and all as it is. We just need to sit down then and say, hang on a second, we have an, an aging population. We need a whole range of services. It's just not nursing homes. We need home care, daycare, meals on wheels, independent living, etc. But if we are going to sustain the nursing home sector, there needs to be a, a, a radical overhaul of, of their deal. Because we've seen even in the summer whereby our acute hospitals are under significant pressure. If we don't have the, that capacity in the sector, we're going to be in even more challenging times uh, in, a, in a difficult winter. And when a nursing home closes, Tyke, particularly in a rural uh, area, there may not be another one for residents nearby. And look, that's the real story. I mean, I can talk about, you know, percentages and, uh, you know, 600 euros less per week in the private sector, which is the reality. The real heartbreak here is for the residents and their families because th- that's their home. They've lived in this particular setting for, in some cases, up to two and three years or longer. Uh, so to turn around and say to somebody, you have to move, you know, that's that's where the real trauma kicks in um, for, for the residents and their families and for the staff. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're looking at a, a rural part of Ireland where the small home closes, the chances of a new one being built are, are negligible, to be, to be quite frank. And in, in that case, people have to travel 
maybe uh, to another part of, of the county, that puts pressure then on people who are trying to visit. They're out of their own local community. I mean, the, the idea, I mean, we saw in COVID, for example, where whereby the communities rally around the nursing homes, dropping in cakes, you know, coming in to sing, um, all of these things. And the news from the local community, we all know how important that is, no more than uh, people like yourself in, in, in 103. You know, so if you're out in your own community, you don't know what's going on with the local GA club or the ICA club or whatever. So all those things are hugely important in terms of social connectedness. So it, it has a it has a devastating impact on so many levels. Um, but ultimately, the key, I suppose, piece here is that it is the residents and, and, and the families who are so discommoded, if you like, mm. by um, uh, the, the closure of, of nursing homes. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, I've, I've spoken with uh, probably four in the last week alone, two in Waterford, one in um, Athlone and one in Roscommon. And, you know, their second generation, in one case, a third generation family business. They've given it their all and now they face the prospect of having to turn the key in the door and and uh, and close. It's, it's That's hard. tough. That, that, that really is tough. Okay, I just before I let you go, somebody says, well, you've got Ty Daly on the line. Would you ask him about the, the COVID? Thousand euro. Yeah, the COVID bonus for healthcare how workers. Did I, how did I know? Absolutely. This is, again, I suppose, I don't want to overstate it, but it is a measure of disrespect for people who work so hard on the front line in, in the private and voluntary sector and indeed the defence forces and indeed in home care. Um, so, would you believe what I heard on, on, or what we received on Wednesday of this week was that government now have decided, or the department rather, that they're going out to tender to get a company, um, or to engage a company rather, to, to process the payment. So, uh, you know, it does it does beg your belief, to be honest, that they've, uh, this has been so badly handled. A good news story and the right thing to do, but we're now, you know, almost nine months in and it still hasn't been paid. So our call is still for them to set a date and say it will be paid by X date, communicate with everybody so that at least they have certainty and just get on with it. And the cost so now of employing... Exactly. A, oh, exactly. You, could, you really couldn't make this up. And just well, very, I mean, it yeah. could be done quite easily. Yeah. I mean, all of the staff who work in the sector are registered with the revenue commissioners. They have TRSI numbers. You know, They're the, easy the, to identify. The payroll is there. Yeah, so yeah. It should be done yeah. quite quickly. And trust people to self-declare. This and if somebody, if somebody, you know, is trying it on, then deal with them appropriately. This is, yeah, we're not reinventing the wheel on this one. And no. just very finally, I saw during the week that the HSE issuing a message to residents of nursing homes that yes. it was time to start getting back to a, a normal life. Are, yes. are some COVID restrictions still in place in some nursing uh, very, homes? Very, very few now, very few. I mean, there are still uh, cases and we've seen a, a slight increase in cases over the last number of weeks. Uh, but nothing to be overly concerned about. So I suppose people are still cautious, but no, I mean, from our perspective and from the staff and and, uh, the uh, people who work in the sector, it it is time to get back to normal and, you know, live with the the virus. You know, we're in probably endemic territory now rather than pandemic territory, but, you know, we still need to be vigilant given the the challenges of of an ageing population and and the older older cohort. And again, I suppose, take the opportunity to talk about the vaccination. I mean, uh, all healthcare workers now uh, are are getting an an, an extra dose, an extra boost. second booster, yeah. Yeah, and um, people over 50. Um, so we would, again, we would support the, the vaccination programme because that's key as we head into what 
we're not sure what's facing us, I suppose, in the, in the winter ahead. Mm. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Tyg, thank you for that. And uh, thank you, have a nice weekend. You. Thanks for you joining too. us. Uh, okay. Bye bye. That is uh, Tyg Daly, who is the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. Two Botterfield residents, Pat Spratt and the local parish priest, Father Eugene Baker, are taking on the challenge of climbing the seven highest peaks of Munster to raise funds for the Irish Community Air Ambulance which is based in Rathcool outside of Mill Street to chat about this undertaking Father Eugene Baker joins me Good morning to you, Father Eugene Good morning Patricia Great you're, you're very, uh, happy to go on, on, on 103FM so and thanks for having us great to talk to you we haven't spoken in, in quite some time now this True. is a huge undertaking have you ever it done is. anything like this before it's just no, the no, fact that no you're doing really. it over such a short period of time Exactly. So uh, Pat Spratt and myself would do a fair bit of hill climbing and mountain climbing um, you know, together. And during the summer, we were saying to ourselves, you know, could we actually do the seven highest peaks of Ireland on a week? And we said, God, that would be very, very hard trying to get up in those country and everything like that. So we decided instead to do seven highest in Munster. And uh, those, those highest seven would be Karen Tool, uh, Napeshta. Brendan, uh, Galtimore, Batagam, which is on Schlieve Mission, Dingle, and uh, Mangleton. So we said to ourselves, we do that. And then we said, if we're doing it, and we're doing it within a week, why not do it for charity? And because an awful lot of our activities in the mountains and the Irish Air Ambulance do wonderful work in rescuing, particularly from the mountainside, uh, we said we do it for the Irish Community Air Ambulance. And as you know, Patricia, and all the listeners will know as well, it's a totally charity-based uh, organisation. And they're relying on three million being raised each year to fund it. And it's costing three and a half thousand for a big call-out. So it's a vital service. and uh, Particularly so, to mount- uh, for mountain climbers. Yes, yes. Uh, so Pat and myself have been doing a lot of... Um, preparation for this so we've climbed a lot of the mountains already but we're we're very grateful um to um pat reynolds inside in believe to achieve for strength and conditioning training okay work with us and um, we're very grateful as well doing the advertising side of it to uh, pat Whelan of monster labels he's done a whole lot of the promotion for us there uh, with plenty of signs up as well so that has been a great help to us because we've been away doing our training but there's been a kind of a team base as well here in the community that has been looking at making sure and pushing it. And we're grateful yeah. to 103 FM as well. For well, that's right. That's our, ple- well. that's our pleasure. Because normally, as you say, you've done, you've actually done all of these seven climbs at some stages, haven't Pat? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But so normally, all the, all, yeah, normally you do it and then you, you'd, you'd rest. You'd rest. Go home and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But doing seven on the trot now will be a, ch- a challenge. So, um, so the challenge now will be to do see can we do three on the trot uh, so that's going to happen now next week to do uh, three mountains one day after the other okay. and if we're able for that then then we'll say yeah the seven will be done you'll uh, do it you'll, you'll do it but you know, you know Patricia as well we're grateful for a lot of volunteers are coming in to help us too and you know um, people have been great they've been making sandwiches for the launch night tomorrow night by the way can I put in a plug for that as well Patricia you can the, yeah you uh, can the, the, the launch is happening in O'Neill's bar here in Butterfield from 8 
o'clock onwards uh, tomorrow evening and the community are very involved in the organising of that and making sure we've plenty of people in because a lot of people wouldn't use the GoFundMe page or the Revolut or anything like that. They'd prefer to give you a donation in hand. Yeah. So that's the whole purpose of the launch night uh, tomorrow night. And everyone's welcome. All, all, Everybody. Okay. Near and far. Near okay. and far. It's, it's yeah. eight, eight o'clock and tomorrow night. Food. We have loads of food <laughs> available for everyone okay. uh, for the for the event. Okay. So do, you, do you want to chat to Pat Spratt here? He's on site. Yeah, go on. Yeah, put him on. Uh, put him on. He, he's he's a very good man in GA circles. Is he? He's well known. Is he? Hi, Patricia. Uh, How I, are you doing? I, I'm 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 doing well, Pat. I'm trying to work out who talked who into undertaking this. I said to be fair, no, it was probably a joint a joint uh, a joint venture on it. Like you know, we'd be walking and talking and. Um, I suppose one day in a moment of madness we decided <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd jump in and do something but you know Patricia it's lovely to get something back and to be able to do something for your you know your, your community and, and um, in your area and, and particularly, as Eugene said, for the you know the community air ambulance, and I think it's only when families end up having to use the services of the community air ambulance, it's only then people start to realise the importance of it. But the fact yeah. that it's it's charity led, it's you know it's got to be fundraised for. No, it is massive, like Patricia, like in our area alone, like it's been it's been in our area like five times in the last year and a half. In different, you know, in different areas of our community, like, and that'll just tell you, like, you know, if, they, if that's the, you know, the amount of times, obviously, you don't want to see it landing, like, because, you know, somebody's in trouble when it is landing, like, but I mean, it's such a great service, like, and, and um, it saves lives at yeah. the end of the day, like, yeah. and, and we're so lucky to have it, and it's so close to us, you know, in our areas, but that's probably you know, our main reason for doing it, you know. So you've got, so. as Eugene said, there's a GoFundMe page uh, set up. That people uh-huh. can um, c- can donate. Are the launch night tomorrow night? If people want to come along and give cash, yeah, we'd be delighted. Like, and we've you know we've a Revolut um, system set up as well. Like, so um, look, um, we'd be delighted for anybody to come along and support it in any way. If they don't, you know, donate, just come and support us themselves and and just be around us, and and that's good too. That makes us strong and 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 sends us out with. Put our chest out a bit more as well to know that everybody's behind us, and, and, and that's huge. Especially oh. when you're on your own up in the mountain, and knowing the people are behind you, it's a great, it's a great, um, great feeling to have. And are you putting a shout out to maybe experienced climbers who might like to join you at any of the individual climbs? Yeah, we, we at the moment we've we've a big volume of people um, coming. Um, I think there's a good few of the Carcina footballers joining us in in Mitchellstown um, to do Geltymore. On Monday, on our first climb, that's the third highest peak in Ireland. And um, there's a good volume of people coming there. There's a lot of interest in, in Karen Tool. We've, this morning, I was in B2A myself, and two or three people came up and said, would you mind if we joined you in, the, in, in Karen Tool to do that climb? So there's in Mangerton with people coming, Brandon with people coming. There's a lot of people coming to you know to fall in and, and do a shift on, on one of the mountains, whichever day they get off of work or whatever. So it's great. It's brilliant. It's fantastic it's company. Brilliant. And, be lovely to have it, you know. And you're starting your your, your first climb is Galtimore on Monday week, the twelfth. Galtimore Monday week. That's where we'll be. <laughs> okay, let's. What's the ideal weather conditions? What What would you ideally like? Actually, would like it to be you know nice and mild and 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 dry. Um, you know, dry and with no mist, if you could like, but. Whatever weight is going to be in Overtisha, it's going to have to be done anyway. So, okay. by hook or by crook, we're going to have to get up and down. So. And it's Monday through to Friday. Um, Coron Tool yeah. is your final one on the Friday. 
we're doing three peaks on Friday. Actually, we've um, we've a special uh, a specialist coming with us on Friday to get us through, and um, somebody who's a very experienced hiker and climber himself, and he's giving time voluntary. He's meeting us down there, and we're going to get three peaks done on the last day, which will be probably seven to eight hours climbing. That'll be tough. Um, it's a huge day, and um, but look. You know, with a good volume of people around us and, and a lot of support, we'll look sure we'll be fine. That's brilliant. It, it really is brilliant. And the biggest mm-hmm. one is going to be just doing it day after day because I imagine the muscles start to get a bit weary. Yeah, look, we were we were yesterday, we were doing a bit of hiking yesterday and um, recovery is absolutely huge. Like, you know, we're very lucky that we, you know, we're doing a lot of our, our climbing in Kerry and, you know, you have to see and it's great to be able to get in and, and uh, into the salt water and just, just try and recover. So that'll be a plan for after most hikes that we'll get in and get a good recovery and plenty of stretching and proper food and plenty, plenty water and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have enough in the tank to get us through. And hopefully lots of good chats along the way. Yeah, like, I mean, that's going to be the best part of it. Like, that's the best part of climbing, really. It's great. You know, you know, you're going for walks. It's it's good for your head, and you know when you're working and you know you're busy in your job, and it's just great to get away and 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 just have that one to one or whatever in a little group that you can file in and out of company and just have a chat, and it just gets you up and down the time flies. And yeah, well done. Uh, lovely. When did you great. start? How long have you been mountain climbing? I suppose look, we're at this, you know. I, I didn't start mountain climbing until late, I'm only at this maybe two or three years, really. Like, you know, father has been doing it a lot more than me. He's done the Camino and, and um, you know, he's done a lot, he's a lot of experience at it too. Very good at orienteering. So that's, I'll be expecting him to get me up and down. <laughs> that's his job. I'll do the walking in front and I'll do the pushing and the driving and he's the one, he's the one that says, no, pass. it's not that way. It's this way so. <laughs> Put him out front and you can follow him and then you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. So Listen, I, we... I, I'll put you on to please, And we wish you the best of luck, Pat. God, get, take care on it. Take Thank care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and a quick final word with... Uh, Father Eugene, you've got. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Not to worry. Okay, that is uh, Pat Spratt and Father Eugene Baker uh, on their seven highest peaks of Munster. As I say, the big one for this weekend is their launch, which is happening tomorrow night in O'Neill's Bar on Main Street. Open to one and all. Loads of sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so arrive hungry and that's from 8 o'clock tomorrow so uh, well done and it's in such a worthwhile cause we all know how wonderful important the our community air ambulance is to us You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed and thank you to uh, it was Michael I think in Castletown Bear who sent this on to me earlier in the week and I just didn't get a chance and said you know I'll hold it for Friday because it's a nice light piece for Friday and people may have seen it because it popped up on uh, social media during the week and it's one of those pieces of how do you know you're Irish and it lists out 10 things that Irish people can very much identify with and it was one of those pieces when I I read it it made me smile because I was nodding to most of them and saying yeah I probably certainly do that I certainly would agree with that. So I'll read you out the t- 10 things that you need to know are that you know you're Irish when. And let's see, would you agree with all of these? The first one is tea solves all of your problems. Number two, you're always grand. Number three, you wouldn't dare leave the immersion on ever I think now more than ever with electricity prices for your granny lit a candle for you whenever you had exams and there would have been more candles lit last night by grannies all over the country in advance of the leaving search results today. A proper dinner is one of potatoes. You can't have a proper dinner unless there's potatoes on the plate. When you had friends over, your mam always offered them food. 
And number seven is wherever you go, you are always offered a cup of tea. Flat 7-Up cures all illnesses. And I don't know where that came from, but every household, I think, was raised on that. The bottle of Flat 7-Up. Your mother would never let you leave the house without your coat. That's an important one. And the 10th one is, and I'm smiling and nodding because I do this one. You pray to St. Anthony whenever you lose something. And I do. And he never leaves me down. Do you know that? So they're just, as I say, popped up on social media during the week and it certainly made me smile. And thank you to Michael for sending that on to me earlier on. 0818103103. Mags was on to us in the last hour to say her daughter is about to do her driving test. Good luck to your daughter on the driving test. But she's opted to do the driving test in an automatic car. And Mags is wondering if she, please God, she passes her test. Does will she be able to drive a manual car? If you complete your if you complete complete your driving test in an automatic car, does anybody know? Well, look, I checked it out for you with the RSA and you can sit your driving test in an automatic vehicle. You don't even have to notify uh, anyone. Um, but if you pass your driving test in a vehicle with automatic transmission, your driving license will only allow you to drive a vehicle with automatic transmission. Now, if you pass your driving test in a manual vehicle, you'll be like licence to drive both automatic and manual vehicles in that category. But if you pass your test in an automatic car, then you can only drive an automatic car. Hopefully that clarifies it for you, Mags, and we wish your daughter good luck with the exam. We were speaking about nursing homes in the last hour and Tig Daly was talking about the reason that nursing homes are closing and he says it is down to they just can't make it a viable business anymore. And he said it's all to do with the fair deal and the fair deal needs to be looked at again. Well, that prompted Eddie to say nursing homes uh, can charge up to a thousand euro, um, a thousand euro a month as I said, thousand euro a week, Eddie. Uh, so how are they not making money? Why are vulture funds, Eddie said, purchasing nursing homes if they're not making money out? Then, well, as Tig explained, under the fair deal scheme, a private nursing home gets nine hundred and ninety-two euro per residence per week. But in a public nursing home, they get 1,616. So there's a huge difference between what the private sector gets, what the public sector gets. Uh, You know, uh, private nursing homes will say all of their costs are going up. And certainly we won't even think about the electricity uh, prices, but all of their costs certainly are rising. You will find, Eddie, that the nursing homes that are closing are the smaller ones. And when, when you're talking about vulture funds purchasing nursing homes, they would be the bigger, large scale nursing homes. I mean, any of the big nursing homes I for sure are making money but it's the smaller ones and that's what worried me and I made that point to Tig a lot of those smaller ones are family businesses and in some cases you know uh, parents might have opened a nursing home and then a daughter might have trained as a nurse um, or takes over the business and is running it and they've been running it in their local area and they're small nursing homes not with a huge amount of beds they have attendance ones now unfortunately that are closing and the worry is that if more of them close particularly in a rural area there's nowhere else for the patients then the residents to go they have to move outside the area and that causes huge problems and huge strains for families uh, 0818 103 103 
John Paul taking your uh, calls. When I had Tyg on the programme, we asked him about the COVID pandemic bonus, the €1,000 that still hasn't been paid to everyone. I know the a cohort working within the HSE, a large a large number of nurses working in the front line in the HSC have received theirs. The last time I checked it now would have been a few weeks ago. Certainly not all of them had received it, but it's those within the private sector that really seem to be uh, working. Um, somebody's picking up on that, says everybody's talking about increases and about bills that have to be pr- play, pr- paid. I have no problem there, but where is our bonus? Uh, look like it's look, it looks like we're not going to get anything seven months on and that's signed by a frustrated healthcare worker so many people are still waiting on that payment it, well you know even in fairness even Tyke Daly said it when I asked him because the listener asked me to put the question to Tyke he said Look, it's just taking the good off it when it got first announced seven months ago people said isn't that great and it's an acknowledgement to the nurses and the hospital and the porters and the other staff that worked at the cold face of the pandemic. It was kind of an acknowledgement to thank you to them. But the goodness, certainly the goodness has been taken uh, off it for sure. And then kind of tied in with nurses, this is Mossy in West Cork, says, is it fact, fiction or reality that Premier League soccer players, some can be earning uh, up to €200,000 per week kicking a football around a grass field. I know some of them get paid very, very high. I don't know what the weekly rate is. Did, I mean, some of them are on millions per year. So, so when you break it down per week, yeah, it certainly is a lot of money. Anyway, Massey says, how can that be justified when you've got a nurse can be earning between 40k and 50k per year to do high, highly concentrated, high pressure split shifts and they have to work day and night uh, shifts. Where's the common sense? Where's the reality of life in all of that thanking you Mr Mossy in West uh, Cork wouldn't we all love to be Premier League soccer players earning ridiculous sums of money 0818 103 103 and Paddy has been on to say hi Patricia does anybody know when the Tallow Horse Fair is on this year the Tallow Horse Fair does anybody know when that's on if so we have somebody trying to find out when it's on. If you can let Paddy know, please, 0818 103 103. Or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. A farewell party for Father Jerry Thornton, the parish priest of Union Hall. That's going ahead this evening, 8 o'clock. All are welcome. Kildallery Bingo will be held in the newly renovated Old Store on the Creamery Yard. That's on tonight with uh, doors opening at 7, eyes down at 8. Jackpot, €850. Bingo is also on in the Mallow GAA Complex, 8.15 start with a jackpot, €2,600. A fundraising dance for the air ambulance that we spoke about this morning will be held tonight in the CYMS Hall in Newmarket. Dancing is from 9 to the Mike Cronin Band with special guests Sheila Fitzgerald and Anne-Marie O'Reardon. Ballonhasset Community Development Association they're holding a social dance in the Marion Hall tonight. Dancing is to Katrina O'Sullivan 
half nine to half twelve tonight with uh, admission 10 euro and does include teas. And best of luck to everybody involved in the Cape Clear International Storytelling Festival that uh, runs from today through to Sunday. Now they have a combination of live daytime events on the island and also online evening events over Zoom uh, but due to limited capacity all of the in-person events must be purchased in advance. And Skibbereen Rowing Club will hold a three ball better ball on tomorrow Saturday. Ladies, men, mixed and non-handicapped teams are welcome. 120 euro per team and the contact is the pro shop for the timesheet on 028 21227. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, at the start of the week, we started getting in some calls and uh, texts and emails in from residents in the Bantier area who were concerned about the noise levels coming from the beer garden of the local pub, the local pub being the White Country in in Bantir. PJ uh, joins me just to explain more. Good afternoon to you, PJ. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Good afternoon. Sorry, c- c- my apologies. You're, you're okay. You're okay. Now, this this problem that has uh, has arisen, you say, only started after lockdown. It did. It did. And it's not just the noise problem as well, but there's also the antisocial element that goes with it, um, which spills out into various areas of excess alcohol consumption. Look, I'm no shrinking violet. We've all had our times when we were young and uh, enjoyed ourselves too much. But it also spreads into what you got to where people are seeing, like, youngsters um, wandering around the village off their heads. Um, and I'm talking, what you call it, that uh, there's there's youngsters out there and they're sniffing, they're sniffing stuff. That well, that's, you can't, you, can't, you can't blame the, that's not the... the oh, that's no, not the, no, not, no, not at all, not at that's all. Going on, that's going on no, everywhere. But talk no. to me about the, the, the yeah. noise in particular was what we were getting um, contact about. Yeah. It's the noise uh, from the beer garden. It is, it is. And look, what you, the, to give you a practical example, um, on the previous Saturday night, um, I was actually downstairs. I was watching a film. I got a message from herself. Uh, she was up in bed and just basically come up and have a listen. And it was a warm night. Um, the windows were open. And I could swear that there was a party in a house literally 20 yards away and because of the noise that was there. And I was going, yes, they're enjoying themselves down there inside. Who's in the, who, who in the houses down from us is enjoying themselves? That's the that's the, the beer garden. What? And it was, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, in our street alone, in our street alone, we have our own son. He's autistic. Um, he needs intense routine to settle down and stuff like that. Um, there are other children. We have uh, congratulations to Lorna on the street. She had a baby girl this morning. Um, there are parents there with children. There is a very there's elderly people living down very much adjacent to there on both sides, on both sides, uh, both above and below the place, uh, below the premises, and it it is getting beyond a joke. It and you and your but, but your point is that this when music was inside, you didn't have when these problems. It's, it's just music, look, it's just in the beer garden. The, there's always a compromise in life. Nobody need be unreasonable. People need to enjoy themselves. People need to have fun. They need to kick back at the weekend. Everyone can understand that. 
Everyone can understand that, you know. But at the end of the day, when the music is played outdoors, it's played outdoors. And I mean, this has happened not just once, but on a repeated basis, where it's played exceedingly loud into the night, past midnight. And then, unfortunately, you have various spillover things from that. On the Sunday morning, I was going to a blacksmithing demonstration in that I was doing in Limerick. My partner said, I'll go and I'll get messages while before you leave. She went down the street and she's literally veering around broken glass. The whole place was absolutely covered in broken glass um, because of my work that I do with Tidy Towns and stuff like that. Um, I, ended up, I ended up making a call and there was three council workers having to come out on a Sunday morning and clean up the glass from the street because it was right outside where the church is where the elderly pass. Yeah, we did. And we did have. Yeah, yeah, we that's did. Our, we did have a. Tax. We did have a text, and it was probably the first text we got on Monday with somebody mm-hmm. saying a big thank you to Cork County Council for coming yeah. out to Bantir a village for for what they described as a big uh, clean up. Also, the local tidy towns group were out in force, broken bottles, pint glasses, and mm-hmm. clothes from the recycling bin raided with cho- shoes fired all over the local car park. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the that's in the housing estate off the road, well off the road, um, in the housing in the housing estate, um, not adjacent to the pub. But you see, this is the thing. You see, if it's like a stone into a pond, the ripples spread outwards. Okay, and now we we got on. We obviously got on to, to the White Country Inn, and uh, we invited Shauna, the owner, but she she declined our invitation to join us. But she has issued us with um, a, a statement that I, that I want to bring to you because I think she makes some valid points, and we'll just we'll just see if we can sort out what's going on here and and try to sort it out for everybody's uh, benefit. Uh, now she explains that it is the last remaining pub in a rural village. They are located in the centre of the village. She said, like all rural pubs, it's faced a torrid time over the last few years having been closed throughout COVID. The business faces an uncertain future given the extremely challenging times ahead over the coming winter. Our costs are rising uncontrollably and our customers' disposable incomes are being squeezed like never before. It's no longer viable to operate our business seven days a week. We now operate five days a week in the summer months and that will be reduced to four days a week during the winter. Now, she says, we are an important part of the social fabric of the, vi- of the village. We provide a place for locals to meet and social and to host occasional parties for our local customers, usually to celebrate birthdays or other significant life events. The birthdays we have hosted have ranged from 18 to 90-year-old celebrations. We are not a destination pub. All our customers are village locals. She said we host about 15 such parties a year, always on the weekend, usually Friday or Saturday. Any Sunday events finish early, usually before 11pm. They are essential for the viability of the business. Without them, we'd have closed long ago. Over the summer months, depending on the weather, the parties will usually take place in the beer garden at the rear of the pub. In the winter, these parties are indoor if the pub is crowded or warm, the front door may be open to assist with ventilation, particularly the case post-COVID. Parties generally have music of some kind, mostly a DJ for the young events and a sole musician guitarist for the older gatherings. Now, she says, we are aware of our location in the centre of the village and we absolutely insist that all music finishes by 12 midnight. And she underlines <laughs> there are no exceptions to this. Where a sole musician is engaged, they usually play for two hours, t- typically finish before 11 We've also banned DJs from using bass speakers due to the vibrations and the loud 
sound that they cause. She said, our business is at the centre of the community and we think we add something to the life and vibrancy of the village. Our customers are all locals and members of the community. We're disappointed and sorry that music from the pub has upset some of our neighbours. We are more than happy to engage positively with anyone affected to see what more can be done to ensure we can all continue to live and work in harmony in the wonderful village of Bantir. If any of your listeners have complaints, please ask them to drop in for a coffee and a chat and we'll work with them to find a solution that works for everyone. And that's uh, Shauna Crowley of the White Country in in Bantir. Which brings me to the question, have you approached Shauna to talk about it, PJ? I haven't approached her because at the end of the day, no, I'm to a point. I'm, I'm a very black and white person. What you see is what you get with me. And I know, and I have been, and I have spoken to various people in the village who, even after I actually said it on Facebook last week, that, look, this has gone beyond the joke, I started some phone calls on the Monday morning from people going, thank you. You actually said what we've all been saying, what we've all been thinking, and some of us have been saying. And I know that approaches have been met, have been made previously to this person. These people would stand up in a court of law and will put their hand on the Bible and swear. And I can also swear that that thing about finishes at midnight. Yeah, she said it finishes at midnight. That's what I'm going to call it because I practically live there and I have heard that music on well past that time. And I have had people, when I'm standing out in my front garden, up and down the road, use that seriously. I would have to question the parenting skill of some people that have those children that literally let them out and, and let them get into that state. At 20 past one, half past one in the morning, cars are around the village until four o'clock in the morning. Well, that's the overflow. Yeah, that's the overflow of, pe- of people when, when, the, when the bar is closed. But what, what I would suggest, because, you know, it, it is... It is the last pub in the village uh, and nobody wants to see a business close and God knows I accept her points businesses small businesses like that are really really struggling and you know a venue like that can be the heart of the community I think collectively PJ you should along with other neighbours as a group go and sit and, and, and meet I mean because it's I mean the problem seems to be in the beer garden so come up with some solution whereby it either all ends at, at 10 or else move it back indoors. You see, I think going into the winter months, because she's saying most of the, you probably won't have the same problem during the winter months. So we're coming to the end is of it anyway, but you don't want it again next year. Patricia, if you want to meet a Bantier person, okay? Yeah. And this is the God's honest truth. And people from Bantier will be listening to this and people from Bantier will nod their heads as I say this. If you want to meet a Bantier person socially, do you know where you'll meet them? You'll meet them five and a half miles across the road, over Ballymacquirk Road, over Ballymacquirk Cross. You'll meet them in Kentuck. Because generally, that's where the most of Bantier people go. Because the God's honest truth it is that the most of Bantier people are literally driven to the edge of their seats with the noise that comes out of that place. And constantly All right, well, that, that's, that, that's your personal view, uh, PJ. Uh, according yeah. to Shauna, the, the pub is made up of, of local people. I, but I would suggest, all, as I say, we did invite Shauna to come on. I, I'd love if she'd come on and, and we could have had the discussion on air, but she doesn't want to do that, which is fine. And, and that, that's, uh, she's entitled to do that. But I would suggest you, uh, along with others, because as I say, we got a number of uh, texts and calls in from people. S- just try and sit down. Just try and sit down and, ha- and have the chat and see if you can come up with some kind of a, a compromise.
That all right. already is being organised. All that right. Already okay, well, listen, and let us know how you get on, will you? Will you come? Let us know. All right. Okay. Listen, thank you for that. And that is uh, PJ from uh, Bantier. And as I say, I've, I've others saying the noise of the music being played out in the open air, outrageous, must be breaking all noise abatement rules, said somebody. It's disturbing that it's happening on a regular basis. Think of small children and older people who are trying to get to sleep. Someone else said, sick of the loud music in Bantier Village coming from the uh, beer uh, garden. Okay. 0818 Let's see if we can get them all sitting around the table together and having, a, as Shauna has offered, even a cup of coffee. She might put it on the house and uh, just see if they think, because it's the last pub in the village. And we know, we've heard from other villages, when a pub or the last business closes, we know the effect that it can have on the area. 0818 103 103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We're going to get some suggestions for movies you might consider watching this weekend. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome. Okay, two movies you watched this week. One is called Samaritan, and the other is DC League of Super Pets. But let's start with a trailer from Samarathon. Another long night of crime and violence. Some say it's only a matter of time before the city implodes. I think we're finished here. Go on, beat it. Samaritan. Samaritan died 25 years ago. That's what they say. You think you live across from a superhero? Do you have a therapist, kid? Kid. Samaritan's dead. I pick up garbage for a living, pal. Samaritan cleaned up the streets. <laughs> You mind your business, I'll mind mine. I don't believe you! Okay, I can hear the great voice of Sylvester Stallone there. Indeed it is. And uh, it's his production company that has made this. Uh, He's also a producer and and he stars in it uh, as well. You know, the thing about it is that it's just... It's one of these films, Patricia, that I watch every now and then. I watched it last night. And when it was over, my first thought is, what am I going to talk about? tomorrow with Patricia about this movie. What am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? Because it's just one of those movies that kind of come and go. And it's neither terrible. It's not brilliant. It's kind of just there. It's a bit kind of bland. And it's kind of rating really is about five. And uh, that's just about right. And I think that's about kind of what uh, the way people, when people kind of view this film, they go, well, what, what do you think about it out of 10? They go, well, it's kind of a five because it is quite average. Now, at the same time, having said that, I admire some of it and some of it not so much. It's another superhero movie, yes, but without a huge amount of CGI. And in fact, most of the action sequences are actually done for real, which I really liked. Uh, there's very little huge amount of special effects in it because it's a small, basically a small kind of character-driven film, really. If I have a, a major uh, kind of qualm with the film, and that is that its pacing at times is quite poor. It's only an hour and 40 minutes long, which is perfectly fine by me, but there were times when um, it, it was a bit too slow moving for me. I just wanted it to kind of 
just wanted to kind of pick up the pace just a, a little bit more to kind of keep my interest uh, in the film. So the, the, the trailer kind of gives the impression there as though this character, Samaritan, who was a superhero 25 years previously, has gone. He died in an explosion. And because of that, because he's not there to rid the city of, uh, of bad guys, uh, crime in the city is getting out of control. Uh, this little boy who lives with his mom, she's... Um, She's an only parent. She's finding it difficult to pay the bills. Uh, he finds himself getting involved in a local gang to try and, uh, you know, to try and earn money so that her mo his mom could uh, can pay the rent. He also becomes fascinated by this 76-year-old man who lives across the street, uh, played by Sylvester Stallone. And he, begin he begins to think and believe that, in fact, Samaritan is still alive and that it's Sylvester Stallone. Um, so... The film then basically becomes this kind of um, this kind of human story, this story uh, about this man and this young boy, because the boy uh, gets himself into trouble, and so therefore is at times saved by Sylvester Stallone, which is kind of cementing this young boy's belief uh, that in fact yeah, he is Samaritan. What I would have particularly liked, I think, is that if they've kind of built up the kind of suspicion and maybe the kind of um, the tension just a little bit more, rather than they do. Uh, there is a twist in the film, which I watched this with uh, my daughter. She saw the twist straight away. Five minutes into the film, she knew the twist, and which I'm obviously not going to give away. And that was quite obvious. And I wish it had been just a little bit more kind of confusing and a little bit more kind of complicated to kind of lead us uh, into that. Um, it's PG-13. So, I mean, after watching Bullet Train last week and the explicit violence of that, this is PG-13 violence. There's little or no blood, but the action sequences are very, very well done. At the age of 76, you know, I read some reviews which said he was a bit too old. Look, this is Stallone. He's still in amazing shape. At no stage did I feel that he was too old for this part. In fact, when the action sequences do happen, and he, by the way, takes part in a lot of those because... You know, we've seen that uh, traditionally with him, with the Rocky films, where he likes to be involved and he likes to get involved in all that kind of thing. And he's a very, very physical actor as well. A lot of the fight sequences are for real, which is really, really good. And there's a couple with special effects which work very well as well. It's a small, small kind of comic book movie. And I presume that's the way he wanted it. And um, and it's OK. And that's my problem with it, Patricia. <laughs> there's not much more I can really talk about or say about it. It was OK. Just okay. All right. Okay. And as you say, it'll be one of those ones I'll ask. I might ask you about it next month and you'll have completely forgotten about it. Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, there might be another one, you know what I mean? Because, um, well, the, it, it's very strange to have, uh, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, for example, um, the uh, critics didn't particularly like it very much, but the fans did. Uh, which will be the complete opposite for uh, DC League of Super Pets, which we will talk about in a minute. If you're a Stallone fan, um, and there's nothing here to offend you, I think the relationship between him and the young boy is very good. I think the young boy is very, very good. I think the bad guy in the film is good. Um, it's just needed a little bit more action. It just needed a little bit more excitement. And I think it would have been much better. As it was, as I say, it's, it's quite an average film. OK, so I'm assuming you're giving it five out of ten. I'm giving it a five. Uh, <laughs> you gave that away at the start. <laughs> no spoilers no, there. OK, now DC League of uh, Super Pets, where it went to animation here and, and, a, uh, and again, a Superman type movie, is it? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're in the we're in the comic uh, book world again. And of course, we know DC. We know them well. We know all the characters in DC. We know Superman. Uh, we know Batman. We know Aquaman. We know Wonder Woman. Uh, they all play a part here. I was under the impression, though, that uh, when I saw the title DC League of Super Pets, that it was going to be about all of the DC um, super kind of characters and their pets. It doesn't actually work out that way. In fact, uh, most of uh, the film concerns itself with Superman and his dog, Crypto, the super dog. When we're first introduced to him, they're being sent to Earth by... Uh, uh, Superman is being sent to Earth by his parents, and the dog uh, goes along. Um, years later, when they're adult, uh, dog and Superman, uh, we find that uh, the dog has the exact same superpowers as Superman. I don't know how that happened, but, but you know, we, we won't question it. It's the case. And um, and then there's an incredibly complicated kind of story, uh, which involves uh, a, a, the character of Lulu, played by Kate McKinnon, who plays this, um, this guinea pig uh, who wants to take over the world. She's in a uh, pet store. And uh, she develops this process by which she can turn all of the pets into the uh, pet store, into super into superheroes, and so therefore um, wants to rule the world, and then goes into battle with uh, Superman and uh, his dog. Uh, Superman here is played by John Krasinski. It's a big, big star lineup in this film. I'm by the way. just Krasinski looking plays. down through the cast. It's incredible. Well, it's a $90 million movie. Ah. You know, you've got Krasinski as Superman, you've got Dwayne Johnson as the dog Crypto, you've got Kate McKinnon, uh, you've got Keanu Reeves as Batman. I mean, it's a huge, huge cast here. Kevin Hart plays uh, the character of another dog in it called uh, Ace. And um, and so, the, you know, there's no complaints whatsoever about the voice cast, who are really, really good. Um, there are huge problems with the film, I think. And I think part of the problem for me is that the humour just simply doesn't work. Um, and a lot of the, the... Down throughout the years, we've seen so many of these movies where... Uh, what the writers do is they write jokes for the adults who bring along the kids. So therefore, there's something for everybody. I think part of the problem here is that far too many of the jokes are for adults and not for kids, and they just simply don't work. And some of the jokes would work with, with human actors. For example, if somebody at some stage, you know, if there's a fight and somebody decides, no, this is not for me, I'm backing out. Now, for, say... Eddie Murphy to say that line on screen, it would be a funny line because he would sell the line. If it's a bland kind of animated character, it doesn't work. And there's a lot of those scenes and, and that happens quite a lot. Natasha Leon plays this very, very strange character of uh, this turtle. And the turtle, when the turtle gets her um, um, superpower, of course, it's speed. And do you remember um, ah. Over the Hedge? Do you remember the film Over the Hedge? I do, all, I do, yeah. yeah. Beautiful sequence with the squirrel in it yeah. uh, who could move so fast that everything around him kind of moves in slow motion. They completely rip off that scene in this film. And um, it's not done as well. And also this character of Merton, this turtle by Natasha, swears in the film, oh. which is very odd. Um, now they bleep out the words, but you know the words they're using. And obviously they decided to do it just to kind of give the kids a bit of a giggle, especially in front of their parents in the cinema. I don't know how the parents will feel about it because you obviously know those words that she is saying. And But that, but for me, that didn't really work either because I think it would have been better instead of just beeping out the swear words that they did something funnier. Maybe, you know, an ambulance could pass by just as she swears or or somebody rings a bell or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Rather so than a bleep, yeah, and, yeah. 
and and that character is very odd as well and very very strange um kevin hart plays the, the voice of ace who becomes friends with uh, crypto uh, played by dwayne johnson at some stage uh, crypto who is super dog basically um um takes in some uh, kryptonite and that of course like superman takes away all his powers there's one lovely moment with Kevin Hart as the kind of street dog tries to show Dwayne Johnson as crypto who has lost all his powers how to become a real dog and all of a sudden Dwayne Johnson as crypto realizes that like a like a, a real dog he can smell things and Kevin Hart shows him how to smell uh, smells on the street and it's the first time that crypto is smelling these uh, smells and he thinks they're absolutely disgusting and it's a very very funny sequence very, very funny sequence but there are far too uh, there are far too um, situations like that which are not particularly funny. I wanted more of those. In the trailer, there's a wonderful moment between Keanu Reeves and and Kevin Hart as Ace. and But that's kind of tucked away at the end of this film. It was almost as if then they realized what a good scene it was, so maybe we put it in the trailer. Uh, so it is, unfortunately, again, a disappointment. You know, look, as usual, the standard of the animation is incredible. I think some of the action sequences go on way, way too long. It's not as funny as it should be. And uh, and again, for me, it was rather a disappointment. Yeah, and this is I, I always saddens me when you say it would go over the kids' heads because at the end of the day, the children should be absolutely one hundred percent enjoying it, and then any of the jokes are there, so the parents can enjoy it as well. But they shouldn't be all going over the kids' heads, so there shouldn't be so many of them. Okay, mark it out of ten, then. I give it another five. Five out of ten. That's DC League of Super Pets. Somebody wants to know: Has Mark seen any trailer for the Michael Flatley movie Blackbird, and is he planning to go to see it? It's funny you should ask that's me about that. That's a loaded question. I was wondering if you were going to ask me about it. Yeah, um, it, it is. It, 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 it was shown, I think, uh, to um, it, they did that previews yesterday, I think. Yeah. And I have read some of the reviews, and. Uh, they're not very complimentary. And, uh, but then, you know, I remember talking about this with you about three years ago, and I remember saying, look, I don't have very much hope for its quality. And I remember somebody on text kind of giving out about it and saying, look, you know, you'd have to wait and see uh, if it's going to be any good or not. Um, I've seen the trailer. Uh, the trailer <laughs> the trailer is terrible. Is it? Um, and, yeah, you know, the thing about the trailer, of course, is that the trailer is meant to kind of promote the film. The trailer is meant to be better than the movie, and a lot of the times they are. Um, but if you do watch the trailer, I mean, it's just all little kind of, you know, five word sound bites. And um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I am, I should point out, I am going to see it. Okay. Obviously, I all am right. because I'm desperate to see it. Okay. Uh, but, but critics so far have not been very pleased. I, uh, I know the line that I've heard from it, bless me, Father, for I have sinned and I'm about to sin again. Is seemingly yeah. the line of it's the movie, and it's just, yeah. but look, it might be so bad it's good. I might yeah, love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> okay, I shall look forward to your review of that. Listen, Mark, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for that, and have a good week. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Uh, now, just a couple of texts in, particularly reacting to uh, PJ, who was given out about the White Country Inn and Bantier and the noise in the beer uh, garden. Uh, somebody says, I don't buy the statement from the owner. All we want is for the music to be turned down. The music does not always stop at midnight. Um, I, and actually, this listener actually sent in a video with the, the with and the time is on it. We showed it was half past 12. The beer gardens, beer garden was in full flow. Uh, Porky Cueve and Constance venues all closed before 11 why is midnight being spoken about in the statement from the uh, owner take the parties indoors then I won't have an issue then the locals have no problem with the with the pub it's the noise 
it's just ridiculous it's gone beyond belief and someone says would um, what w- would the pub own when the pub owner says it's all local parties why was there an 18th birthday party for somebody from Mallow well people from Mallow are entitled to go out and have uh, parties there as well somebody else says hi uh, Patricia tell the PJ and the others to get over it the pub was closed long enough would they ever let people just enjoy themselves and then someone else says God PJ would badly want to get a life for God's sake get over himself hashtag Bantier pub I'm from Bantier is he a local um, he needs to get over himself well he is a local in that he's living across the road from it and that's it's upsetting his life at the moment and the life he says of more of his neighbours and hi uh, Patricia oh the Tallow show I did get somebody somebody was asking about the Tallow show the Tallow show is on next Monday at the 5th of September and I see some texts coming in saying the Tallow show is on next uh, Monday and including one from a listener in Bandon if people want to go to the Tallow show next Monday that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing all week Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the line Patricia Messenger enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a lovely weekend and stay dry because the rain is coming Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com upgrade.